0: Society Thirteen Podcast Network, redefining podcasts. Society Thirteen. dot I like to listen. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 148th episode of the History Ghostbump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And on today's episode, we are bringing you the Vickery Mansion. But along with that, we are also going to be talking about some legends and lore of Beaver County, which is the county that the Vickery Mansion is located in. Denise, this was suggested to us by Heather Marie. And as I started researching the paranormal side of things, I quickly found out that there not only was not much information out there, but there really was no evidence for it. And when you talk to the people who work at the mansion, they say there is no haunting going on there. And no paranormal groups have ever been able to prove that there is. Yet there are some stories and legends that go with the house. But I didn't feel like it was enough for our show. So I said, well, let me look at Beaver County and that greater area there and see what else we have going on. So we're going to share some of those with you as well to kind of round out the paranormal side.
1: Yeah, because I think somebody the mansion got paid off.
0: There are still some places that don't want people to know about haunting. Some of them haven't caught on that you actually could probably make more money with hauntings. Exactly. So there are some that could be in denial. Before we get into that, we'd love to have you check out our website, historygoesbump.com. Denise, if people want to send us some feedback, where can they do that?
1: They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And we'd like to share some emails with you. We heard from Mary Hicks. Hello, ladies. Just wanted to let you know how much I love this show. Great mix of history and bump. I found you on Stitcher, searching for history, but listen to older episodes on Podcast Addict. Stitcher doesn't have them. I know from listening how much you enjoy feedback. Sorry, I can't figure out how to rate on either app. Listening to your podcast is like listening to friends tell a great story. Thank you for your time, Mary.
0: So thank you for that, Mary. We also heard from Shannon. Good morning, ladies. I just listened to the Edgefield episode and I heard your guest mention a McMenamin's venue in Portland that was a former funeral home. That would be the Chapel Pub. McMenamin's buys notorious haunted properties and turns them into pubs and hotels all over the Pacific Northwest. When you mentioned hitchhiking ghosts, I was hoping you'd touch on the actual hitchhiker. This is one that I've seen twice. Once when leaving a summer concert on the lawn, and another in December from a birthday party. At the end of the driveway was a man in dusty clothes, jeans, disheveled hair, and an older style work jacket trying to hitch a ride. We didn't see him until we got to the end of the driveway, figuring he was obscured by a bush. But once we turned to leave down the main road, he was gone. There was no one in my rearview mirror at all. Both times. The same man the same thing it almost feels like something from a horror film and it was certainly creepy as hell well thanks for sharing that Shannon that is creepy and to have it happen to you twice full bodied apparition that's amazing Uh, it is amazing and I would be like wetting my pants oh actually that's
1: Diane's job
0: that's right I'm the one who wears the depends in this house remember that I will We also got a tweet from Steph on Twitter, and she let us know on our last episode, we had mentioned a prostitute that might have been named Nina or Nina. And she said that N-I-N-A could possibly mean no Irish need apply. Oh, wow. So that's an interesting take on that. And then Tanika had dinner at the Old Town Pizza the night before we released the show. Oh, that's cool. So she was like, I hear there's a ghost in there. I hope you talked about it. And sure enough, we did. So she didn't say anything happened during their dinner, but a little bit of synchronicity there that she was eating at a place that we were about to talk about. We might have even actually been recording it while you were there, Tanika. How weird. Katie Dunlap said that her great-grandfather's grandfather was a crimp during the Civil War. He dropped off people at recruiters' offices. A Shanghai guy got revenge later on him and shot him in a saloon in Charleston. So I guess they didn't just do crimping to take you out on the sea. It was also to enlist you during the Civil War for either the North or the South.
1: How well do they really think you're going to perform, though, if you've been kidnapped, you know? Yeah, I, I,
0: I don't think so. And then Tina Smock pointed out that there were opium dens down there in the Shanghai Tunnels. So there probably were ODs down there as well. So we could be looking at some spectral activity from that. We got a comment over on the website from Justin. Love your podcast. I've been listening for a couple of years now and it makes the long drives I often have to make a lot more bearable. If I get to my destination before the end of your show, I even find myself going around the block a few times just to hear the end. Oh, thank you. That's very (laughs) cool. We definitely appreciate that, Justin. SDE Marsh over on Instagram sent us a message. You guys are the best. We love anything to do with paranormal and horror movies and we're so excited to find your podcast we live less than five miles from the original house from The Conjuring movie. Ooh, that's a little too close for comfort. I always only listen to Disney podcasts and to find yours and that you share the Disney love makes it even better. Keep up the awesome work. Boo. Ha ha. Well, boo back to you. And speaking of Disney, a big hug and thanks out to the guys over at Podcateers Podcast. They sent us a fabulous picture
1: Of one of Diane's absolutely, actually one of, I think it is her favorite, favorite ghost.
0: Be still my heart, the Hatbox Ghost. And it is a creepy as hell picture. We put it up on Twitter and I think it's over on Instagram and it's just fabulous. I'm going to get it framed. It will go here in the studio. And Rhonda Borgen shared pictures from a tour that she took at the Washoe Club this weekend, Denise.
1: Oh, very, very nice. In fact, I did see the pictures are fantastic.
0: They are. She put them over there on the Spooktacular crew. And she said, I wanted to send you the pics I took during our tour of the Washoe Club. Me and my husband took along our cousin David, who is an extreme skeptic. We didn't see anything paranormal, but it was a very spooky place. Denise, you would have been horrified at David's spirit tempting. Oh, David, shame, shame, shame. He called out stuff like, come out, ghost, prove you're real, while we were walking around. Oh, my gosh, that is like the ultimate tempting of the spirits. He was also very naughty and rocked the doll pictured below in our chair when no one was looking to trick the kids in the group. I'm surprised a spirit didn't give him a good smack. Well, Denise would have.
1: Yeah, well, be careful, though. Somebody might have followed him home.
0: Those pictures I did put up under the Washoe Club episode. So if you guys want to check those out, those are there. We want to welcome to the Spooktacular crew, Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Denise. Hi, Denise. Trina. Hey, Trina. Heron. Hi, Heron. Randy. Hello, Randy. Kareen. Hey, Kareen. And Rich. Hey, Rich. Denise, are you ready to go check out the Vickery Mansion and hear about some of the legends of Beaver County? I most certainly am. All right, let's do it. we know about your little addiction. Not just a history goes bump. You're into that true crime, too. What, are you trying to plot the perfect murder? Or are you just interested in the criminally insane mind? Whatever it may be, we like true crime around here, too. Only our true crime is haunted. We are up to 30 haunted true crime bonus casts. And there are 14 exclusive History Goes Bump bonus casts as well. Just waiting for you at $5 a month. Want to know what you're missing? How about the Black Dahlia? The Black Donnellys? The Corpsewood Manor Murders? The Manson Murders? Starvation Heights? The Beheading of Anne Boleyn? And that horrendous serial killer, Amelia Dyer. Not to mention Denise's series on animal ghosts. Skip the coffee this month donate to us and get all of that. Plus, stick around and get future episodes as well. You'll also be helping to bring everybody more episodes each month. We're getting real close. You can support the show via PayPal or Patreon. It's your choice. You get all the same benefits. For more information, check out patreon.com forward slash history goes bump or historygoesbump.com forward slash support dash the dash show. History is full of oddities, curiosities, mysteries, and the truly bizarre. Welcome to This Moment in Oddity. Herophilus was a Greek physician who lived from 335 to 280 BC. At a young age, he moved to Alexandria and spent much of his life there. He was fascinated with the human body from an early age and was a pioneer in anatomy. Most consider him the father of anatomy. In his time, he wrote nine works ranging in topics from childbirth to blood flow. All of those works would be lost. Dissections had been banned throughout Greece, but in Alexandria that ban had been lifted and Herophilus was the first to perform dissections on human cadavers. He would perform these in front of masses of people who all came to learn from a man who'd become famous for his anatomy knowledge. Herophilus felt that it would be even better if he could show people the parts of the body actively working meaning that live specimens would need to be used. And since some prisoners were already condemned to die, why not use them as subjects? That is what he did, vivisected living prisoners who were tied down to the table. There are claims that 600 prisoners were vivisected by Herophilus. Though his work dispelled many myths the ancient world believed about the human body, the fact that he dissected live humans, many aware of what was happening, not only seems immoral, but quite odd. Are you afraid of the dark? That's just silly. What you should be afraid of is the thing that watches you sleep. <laughs> This day in history.
1: On this day, September 11th in 1649, the massacre at Drogheda, Ireland occurred. The massacre of Drogheda was headed by Oliver Cromwell, who was a Protestant representing the English Parliament. He was sent into Catholic Ireland to subdue it. The plan was to offer fair terms and keep violence to a minimum. Arthur Aston represented the Irish Catholic patriots, and they were not about to surrender. Cromwell ordered attacks on the walls that protected the town. 6,000 parliamentary troops rushed through the walls, and the Irish fell back easily. Drogheda had been taken. What happened next is debated in historical circles. Some say that Cromwell ordered the massacre of the soldiers and people here. Others claim that the parliamentary troops went through slaughtering people of their own accord. Ashton and about 200 of his men took cover at Millamont Fort. Cromwell told them that if they surrendered that they would not be killed. They surrendered and an hour later they were all killed. Ashton was beaten to death with his own wooden leg. Roughly 2,800 soldiers died that day along with 800 civilians. History Goes Bump Podcast. Freedom, Pennsylvania has the Ohio River flowing next to it, and on a hill above the river stands a mansion built by Captain William Vickery. The mansion was built in a unique style and has stood on this spot since 1826. The home remained in the family for nearly 100 years and was saved from demolition by the Beaver County Historical Research and Landmarks Foundation. Today, it is a museum that can be toured. The foundation claims there are no ghosts at this location, but rumors and legends claim there is some kind of activity that is unexplained happening at the mansion. And Beaver County, where the mansion is located, has many legends of its own. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the Vickery Mansion and explore the legends of Beaver County.
0: Beaver County was created in 1800 near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The Ohio and Beaver Rivers flow through the county. The Harmony Society moved to Beaver County from Indiana where they had been harassed for their abolitionist views. They founded Old Economy Village in 1824. The Harmony Society were a group of Christian theosophists and pietists that had fled Germany because of persecution. The Harmonists took their campaign of abolition of slavery along the Ohio River and placed signs with the word Freedom on the banks. The Borough of Freedom located in Beaver County gets its name from those signs because people began to identify the area with the word Freedom. Pretty cool to have a town named that way because that's exactly what it's supposed to mean. That's very cool. Stephen Phillips and Jonathan Betts were owners of a steamship building business and they formally established Freedom as a borough in 1832. It consisted of 100 acres that were platted out by Simon Meredith. The town grew fast alongside another borough named St. Clair, which eventually joined with freedom as Greater Freedom. St. Clair was founded by Captain William Vickery. And that steamship building business is basically the only economy that that town had for the first few years that it was built. Everything was about that.
1: Captain William Vickery was a retired merchant sea captain out of Philadelphia when he purchased 604 acres of land in Beaver County in 1826. Vickery had served in the Navy during the War of 1812 and the government had given him 500 acres in the Northwest Territory, which was land northwest of the Ohio River.
0: Can you imagine them doing that nowadays, the government giving soldiers 500 acres of land? That's a lot of land. That's a a whole lot of land. Beats the GI Bill, maybe. Uh, I would think so.
1: Vickery met members of the Harmony Society, and he liked the sound of Old Economy Village. So he decided that he would build his mansion and establish a village near Economy. That village came to be known as St. Clair. The mansion was built on a hill overlooking the Ohio River. Vickery hired John Moore to head the project. Other men were hired as workers, and they mined sandstone from the local area. Captain Vickery had a very specific vision for his house, and this created disputes with his foreman. He was unhappy with the lack of progress. Early contractor
0: issues? I mean, we have them nowadays, so why wouldn't they have them back then? (laughs) Yeah, they say nothing's new. Yeah, exactly. Why is this taking so long? (laughs) Oh, I had another house I got to work on. Okay. Vickery fired Moore and hired another crew of men, but Moore was not about to go away without a fight. He claimed that Vickery owed him money. The dispute went all the way to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Can you imagine nowadays a dispute over paying a contractor going to the Supreme Court? The Supreme Court would be way more busy than it already is. And this took years. Vickery would win after all those years, but he would already be dead by then. Yes, guess better late than never. (laughs) I guess The house was finally finished in November of 1829. The mansion had red oak floors and hand-hewn beams. The outside walls were two feet thick and built from sandstone. The inner walls were brick with plaster over them. The mansion boasted 20 rooms. Vickery died in 1842 and the house passed to his wife, who died in 1853. The couple had only one living child at that time named Hannah. She had married a doctor and they moved into the mansion. They made some changes and added a mausoleum for their daughter, Leonora, who had passed away at four years of age. The vault was made of stonework and covered in the back with earth so that it was mound-shaped. Inside the mausoleum were two benches. The outside was encircled in an iron gate, and there was an urn decorated with a kneeling woman wringing her hands in sorrow and an angel hovering over the grieving woman.
1: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do When her husband died, she remarried, and she and her new husband added the porch to the mansion. They later moved to California and rented the house in 1912 to the Bischkopfberger family. This family made improvements to the house in hopes of buying it eventually, but it was never sold to them. The Daily Times reported a fire in 1916 at the house in this way. Quote, fire at the residence of E.J. Bischkopfberger in East 3rd Avenue. Freedom Saturday night about 9 o'clock resulted in damage to the structure and furnishings, estimated at from 500 to $600. The family was away from home at the time, and the fire which is thought to have originated at or near the furnace in the basement was discovered by an engine crew on the Conway Yards, who gave the alarm by blowing the locomotive's whistle. The fire laddies responded with their big motor fire truck and by good work confined the fire to the main hall on the first floor to which it had eaten its way by the time they arrived. Mr. Bischofberger arrived home from Erie about one o'clock Sunday morning, and could not be censored if he regards the happening in the light of a rather costly housewarming.
0: Now, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> Can you imagine the paper writing about a fire at your house and then saying that's a bit of a costly housewarming? And what's sad is this family made a lot of improvements to the house, and obviously they would have rebuilt after the fire, and they were never given the opportunity to buy the house, and nobody knows why. It's a mystery.
1: That's really bizarre because they put so much love and time into it, and it's like,
0: nope. Then in 1924, the house is sold to a man named Joseph Nana for 10 bucks. Can you imagine? Oh, if I were the Bishkoff burgers, I would be quite upset. It makes me wonder if there was something going on there, because here's the thing. The fire just told us that we had damages at the price of 500 to $600. Now, this includes furnishings, but then the mansion sold for $10 later on. Yeah, that's just something. Something's not right there. Not sure. Joseph had the mausoleum removed and the bodies interred at Oak Grove Cemetery in Freedom. His daughter, Hazel, inherited the property and turned it into apartments in 1948 and ripped up the wood porch, replacing it with concrete. In the 1960s, the state government decided to run Route 65 through, and they appropriated the property. The mansion was set for demolition. And it would have happened, except for one woman who took a stand. So, even if you're just one person, you can make a difference. Mildred Pappas, and I wonder, is she somehow related to Stephen Pappas? I don't know, Stephen. You're going to have to let us know. (laughs) It's the only other time I've ever seen that last name. She wrote a letter, and then she got other organizations on board, and they managed to stop the destruction. The state built a retaining wall to save the mansion, and the home was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1974. Beaver County took ownership of the property, and it is now the official home of the Beaver County Historic Research and Landmarks Foundation. The mansion is being restored and is open to the public.
1: The main spectral presence at the mansion is Captain Vickery himself, according to local legend. There are claims that the chandeliers swing of their own accord. They are too heavy for it to be wind blowing them to and fro. The lights flick on and off by themselves as well. And then there are the disembodied voices and whispers that seem to indicate that there is more than one spirit here or the voices are a type of residual haunting. Members of the foundation say that the claims of hauntings are just legend. No paranormal investigation group seems to have found anything haunting the property either. So is this just
0: an urban legend? But never fear our faithful paranormal lovers. We decided to look into Beaver County itself to find some other haunts and we found a few gems. There's Mudlick Hollow. Love the name of that place. Here, a newlywed couple was riding home in their buggy when something spooked the horse and caused it to rear up. In a story we have heard at other locations, the bride fell and broke her neck. The groom himself was pinned under the horse, and he soon died as well. There are claims of strange noises in Mudlick Hollow. The clippity-clop of a horse's hooves, the crack of a whip, and the sounds of a crash and scream, almost like it's playing itself over and over residually. The fog rolls in, almost setting off the residual haunting to occur. A young woman writing an article about this area claimed that she would run cross-country through this place, and then often she felt creeped out, and she herself thought that she would hear voices.
1: There are a couple of our infamous bridges here with the white lady as well. One bridge is called Summit Cut Bridge, and it is in Beaver Falls, and the other is Independence Bridge in Hopewell Township one starts to realize that perhaps there was one true story that had just been adopted across the country. In the tale about Summit Cut Bridge, a young woman drove her car off the bridge, hitting the train tracks below. She is seen both on the bridge and in the tracks below as a lady in white. Independence Bridge's tale is about yet another young couple in a carriage that was riding across the bridge and were killed when their spooked horse turned over the carriage. They fell into the creek below. The young woman is seen walking
0: along the creek. So it makes you wonder where's the young man that was with her. He's not haunting the place. And again, here we have just like the Crybaby Bridge, La Llorona. It's these same ladies in white walking along underneath bridges, along creeks, all similar stories, which makes you think that there's one story that maybe actually happened and it just is spread everywhere. And so now anytime somebody sees a bridge, there it is. Same story. John T. Anderson Cemetery is located in Beaver County in the Independence Township. The cemetery served Surface Creek Church, which was built along the banks of the Ambridge Reservoir in the 1700s. The graveyard was officially named for Dr. John Anderson, the pastor of the church from 1788 to 1810. Weather gets weird around this cemetery. It's found at the end of the lane, and when one reaches the cemetery, thunderstorms roll in, as if on cue, Heading back out the lane leads the storm to dissipate as if the lane itself triggers the weather phenomenon. Strange voices are heard on the air and people claim to feel that they are being watched. A soldier from the Civil War is buried here and some claim to see a ghostly vision of him still lying in his coffin above the grave. Old Economy has a legend as well. The Harmony Society was like most religions and they expected chastity. People were to remain celibate until they were married. Melinda was a young follower of the religion who found herself in the very precarious position of being pregnant without being married. Melinda gave birth to the baby and the legend claims that it was more of a miscarriage. But reports that a baby haunts the basement where she buried it in the wall with a pair of gloves seems to indicate that there's a disturbed soul here, more than likely the result of murder. Melinda seems to have been so tormented that she haunts the building herself as well. An attempt was made to see if the remains of the baby could be found to help bring peace. That attempt went sour when a strong wind blew through the basement. Screen windows were blown out and the excavators ran out, leaving the search uncompleted to this day. The borough of Baden is home to the Calvin Blazier House on State Street. Blazier was a captain of a riverboat and people referred to him as the Patriarch of the Mississippi. The home was built in the 1870s and Blazier moved into it in 1890. He lived in it for 50 years. A financial planning firm eventually ended up using the house for its offices. And that is when the reports of haunting started. Galen Catterson was the office manager, and she claimed that many odd things would happen. She was working late one night and had her children with her. She saw a child go streaking past her, making quite a commotion and tearing around. She was tired and exasperated as she hollered at her children to stop. The only problem was... This child was not hers, and she realized that when he obeyed her order to knock it off, and she turned to look at him. She was stunned to see a young boy dressed in knickers and a shirt with a stiff white collar. Then he disappeared. Other poltergeist-like activity has been reported, but whatever it is, it seems playful. The 1810 Tavern in Bridgewater is a popular pub and eatery in Bridgewater. They feature live music inside and outside depending on season. A French martini here is reported to taste like gummy bears. Sounds unusual, as do the reports of the resident ghost here. Employees report hearing disembodied footsteps and claim that doors and cabinets open and close on their own. Occasionally, the chandeliers can be seen swinging of their own accord, just like at the Vickery Mansion. Apparently, this is another friendly ghost just looking for some fun at a pub. So, is the Vickery Mansion haunted? That is for
1: you to decide.
0: Well, just another place to check out when we're heading over near Pittsburgh. We know there's a lot of people to visit there in Pittsburgh, so we'll have to check that out as well. Absolutely. On our next episode, we are going to be joined by listener Summer White, and she is the one who suggested this next location. And it's actually not really as much a location as it is a legend. And this is the legend of Bragg Light Road. So we're looking forward to bringing that to you guys. And we have some reviews to share from iTunes. First up is Rick M. Great podcast five stars. This is a great podcast. You should listen to every episode because they get better and better every time. Thanks for a great show. Well, thanks, Rick. We appreciate that. KT says, awesome podcast five stars. Denise and Diane put on an awesome podcast. I really enjoy listening to this podcast at work. I've been into podcasts for 10 years and this one is excellent. Thank you for a great story. I love to listen. Thanks so much, KT. We love that review. And great podcast five stars from Wayne Jung. You guys rock. Short but sweet. Thanks, Wayne. We want to thank you for listening to this episode. I have been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Thanks.
1: Want to keep the spooks away? Give us a review.